Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to RNFM Radio. It is Wednesday, December 11, 2013. This is episode number 95 of RNFM Radio. Welcome, welcome. We're so happy that you're here. This is Keith Carlson from my studio in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Kevin Ross, unfortunately, has been under the weather this week. He is actually in the back end of the studio running all the sound, the tweet chat, and hopefully screening calls with a whisper if you happen to call in. But Kevin says his throat feels like it was scrubbed with Brillo pads, so he's actually not going to be live on the show talking today. So we send our best to Kevin. He will be with you all on the tweet chat and he will hopefully be trying to screen your calls if you're calling in to make a comment online or on the phone. So thank you so much, everyone, for being here. We are excited, as always. Again, I said it is December 11th, and this is episode number 95. We can't believe it. And we only have one more show in 2013. We also can't believe that. Anyway, if you are listening live, of course, you probably found us through rnfmradio.com or you found us over on Blog Talk Radio, where we've been hosted for the last two years, just about. And you also may have found us through our friends at ProMed Network. We really have to send our thanks to them. ProMedNetwork.com slash rnfmradio is where you can always find our shows archived, and we thank ProMed Network for their very generous support. And, of course, we are tweeting. Kevin will be my silent partner over on Twitter today. He won't be talking, but he will be tweeting up a storm. Just put hashtag RNFMRadio in any tweet, and Kevin will pick it up in the stream and respond to you. So we love our interactors and the people who, who send us messages on Twitter. So you have questions, comments, complaints, anything at all, please let us know. And if you'd like to call in and speak with us live and ask some questions of our very esteemed guest, who I'll be introducing in just a moment, please call us at 347-308-8064. That's 347-308-8064. Kevin will be answering the phones. He'll be whispering, but he will be able to screen your call, get your question, and let us know when you'd like to come on and ask your question live. At the end of this show, I will give you a little roundup of what's coming up in the next few weeks in terms of our final show of the year and our celebration of our 100th episode coming up at the end of January. Now, today we have a very special guest who Kevin and I had the opportunity and the privilege of meeting in person at the National Nurses and Business Association Conference in Orlando this past October. Our guest today is Darna, Donna Cardillo, RN. She travels the world helping women and healthcare professionals to be happy in their careers and to reach their full potential. She is fiercely passionate about life in general. Some of you may know Donna as Dear Donna over at Nurse.com, and she doles out daily online career advice to nurses, and you can ask her question on Nurse.com anytime, and she responds to every question that's asked of her. She's also an expert blogger at DrOz.com, and she is the nurse, the first nurse to blog on Dr. Oz, and we are very, very proud of her for that. Donna is the author of three books. She has her fourth book coming out soon, and we'll be talking about that. 
She's received numerous business and healthcare awards and recognition, but she's most proud of being named a diva in nursing by the Institute of Nursing in New Jersey for outstanding achievements and excellence in nursing practice. She's been referred to as the Ann Landers and the Dr. Phil of the nursing profession. And regardless of who she's compared to, there's no denying that she has her own unique style, an indomitable spirit, and an uproarious sense of humor. So please welcome Donna Cardillo to RNFM Radio. Welcome, Donna. Hi, Keith. Glad to be here. Hi. Oh, we are so happy to have you here. And Kevin sends his regrets that he can't actually speak with you in person, but he's here in spirit and in the virtual world. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> no need to answer. Uh, he says, I do, I do, and I am. So he is here. Now, Donna, I, right up front, I want to let folks know that they can find you at DonnaCardillo.com, and that's D-O-N-N-A, Donna, Cardillo, C-A-R-D-I-L-L-O, DonnaCardillo.com. So, Donna, you have a huge presence in the nursing profession and the medical industry in general. You have been on my radar for years as a nurse, and your reputation precedes you. Now, I said a lot about you in that bio, but is there anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself, your career, and how you got to be who and where you are today? Well, Keith, I have been in nursing for several decades. One of the best decisions of my life I ever made was to get into the nursing profession. And I always say that nursing will take you anywhere you want to go. And I have to say that after so many years in nursing, I never could have imagined all the places the career would take me when I did get started many years ago. I worked in the hospital and psychiatric units. I worked in emergency rooms. I worked in medical weight control and never really had a clear plan of one thing or another, but opportunities presented themselves, and I took certainly not all of them, but took various opportunities. And every time I changed jobs or worked in a new area of nursing and healthcare, it broadened my horizons, it opened up my world, and it helped me to realize what I had to offer as a nurse, more about myself and my capabilities, and about the virtually endless opportunities that exist for nurses in healthcare and the world at large. Now, unlimited possibilities in nursing, that's what we love to talk about on RNFM Radio, and you probably already know that, and this is the gospel you've been preaching for a long time. So things are changing in the healthcare industry, of course. So when was it during the course of your career when you decided that there were different things that you could do and you entered that space where entrepreneurship and your own career trajectory was something that you could actually hold the steering wheel of and decide where you were headed. How did you make that decision and what sparked that in you? Yeah, well, I always say that I left the hospital partly by chance and partly by choice. I didn't make a deliberate decision to leave the clinical arena. What happened was I moved to a different part of my home state, New Jersey, had to leave my job in the emergency room because originally in my career, and I loved the ER, I loved psych, I envisioned that I would always be working in those specialties. That's how I saw my career. But after I moved, I wasn't able to find a day shift job in an emergency room, so I really was forced to look into other options. And 
I wound up seeing a job advertised for a medical weight control company. I didn't really know much about that, but it was in my area. It had regular hours. I decided to go on an interview. And it was really in that position when things started to open up for me because I was hired as a head nurse there. And eventually I was made manager of that center, even though I was uh, very reluctant to take on a managerial role because I had the mentality of, I'm just a nurse, I can't really do anything outside of that traditional role. Many of us think that way. In fact, I even said it to, my, to the owner of the company when he approached me about managing the center. I said, oh, I can't do that, I'm just a nurse, because I had a very limited image in my mind of what my capabilities were. But he really didn't give me a choice. He said, I, I want you to take the job. He wasn't really asking me. He was telling me, as it turned out. And it was, I would say, in that first position outside of the hospital that I began to really realize how all of my skills and capabilities as a registered nurse were transferable into so many other areas of healthcare. aside from my, first of all, clinical and health knowledge um, is can be used in so many different ways for health teaching, education, coaching, uh, my, my ability to communicate well, to problem solve, to, to work with people, to help them find solutions, to guide them in their own health and wellness and even, and even life goals because wellness is not just about being sick or healthy. Wellness is about having a, a good body, mind, spirit, to be happy doing things that you want to do in life, so, so many different things. So that job um, started to broaden my horizons. From there, I went to a company that did medical exams for insurance companies. Again, didn't really know anything about it, but it was near my home, regular hours, suited my lifestyle at the time, did a couple of other things from there. And then that brought me to the early 1990s, and things in healthcare were starting to change quite dramatically in the 90s, and this is how I made a decision and a leap into entrepreneurship. I was, um, well, I had a job prior to that where I was working at a hospital doing quality improvement and DRG and reimbursement stuff, and because I was a nurse working in a hospital but reporting directly to administration, not reporting to nursing, I was something of an anomaly in that facility, and when I was first hired, the nursing staff was very curious about me, and they, you know, first they'd sort of just run by my office and look at me, then they'd stop outside the door and talk to me, and eventually they got the courage to come in and talk to me and say, hey, how did you get this job? What else are nurses doing out there? I'm applying for a supervisor's position. Would you look at my resume? And I thought, you know, this is interesting. Nurses are looking at what I'm doing and what I've done, which I hadn't necessarily thought all that much about or hadn't thought it was in any way particularly unique, but other nurses were looking at me and asking me for some career advice about other opportunities, how they could maximize their opportunities. At the same time, in that particular position, I was being required to do a lot of public speaking, which is not something I was looking forward to. I was a reluctant public speaker, like many people were, but I always say I was forced in a good way to get up and speak. Sometimes we have to be pushed by other people to do things that we wouldn't normally do um, because if left to our own thought process, we probably wouldn't do anything. And so here I was doing some speaking. I found out that people actually speak for a living, which I thought was fascinating. I never knew that. 
And I had nurses coming to me asking me for career advice. So I thought, hey, maybe someday I could have my own business running seminars for nurses, teaching them about all the non-traditional opportunities that are out there and how to get those jobs because I started to realize that although I had had many varied experiences, the average nurse wasn't aware of all the opportunities that were out there, nor did they know how to go out and find those jobs because years ago you pretty much just had to show up at a hospital, get hired on the spot. Of course, those days are gone, but that's the way it was way back then. So I always say the premise of starting a business is to find a need and to fill it. So I created a vision of what I might do someday, and I say someday in quotes, because thinking about it and actually doing it are two entirely different things. And I actually had that idea for 10 years before I broke out on my own and started the business. And it wasn't until the early 1990s, and a couple of things were happening at that time that pushed me into entrepreneurship. First of all, the job market for nurses was changing dramatically in the 1990s. And um, you and your listeners may recall that in the 90s, hospitals had started to downsize like the rest of corporate America. There was a lot of downsizing and merging going on, similar to what's happening right now, but for completely different reasons now than in the 90s. And nurses started to get laid off from their hospital jobs for the first time in the history of our profession. Plus, new nurses back in the 1990s were having trouble finding jobs as they are now, but again, for different reasons. And I was also at a crossroads in my life where I'd had a lot of great experience. I thought, you know, I I know there's something more for me to do in this world. What is it that I want to do? What is it that I should be doing? I was really at a low point in my life. And I didn't really have to think long and hard about it because I knew that I wanted to try to put these seminars out there. And I thought with the job market shifting so much, there would never be a better time for me to bring a seminar out there on non-traditional career opportunities. And I thought, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it, and I'm going to be kicking myself for the rest of my life, wishing that I had. So it was really from a low point in my life, knowing that, Uh, not really knowing where to go, but knowing that there was something that I wanted to do, that I wound up starting to research the possibilities and making a commitment to just trying something, just putting it out there and trying it. Wow, Donna, that is so inspiring, and I think a lot of nurses out there need to hear this message right now. I'm in the very early rows of that process. I've been doing this for a few years. You've been doing this for many years now. And you're really, you were in the vanguard of nurses who were really deciding they could hang their own shingle and do something new. And you said that it came from a low point because you realized something had to happen. And if you didn't do it now, someone else would beat you to it and then you'd be kicking yourself. So how, let me just ask you, how did you find the what would be the right word, the gumption, to just, to just go for it? Did you turn to someone? Did you find a coach? Did you talk to a mentor? Or did you just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just go for it? Well, I didn't, it wasn't quite that easy to just pull myself up and go for it. But the first thing that got me moving was making a decision. And making a decision is a very powerful thing. When I was sitting at home one day, by myself, feeling very depressed, very lost, very confused. And 
like I said, I had this idea in the back of my head for a long time, but to actually say I'm going to do it is a very scary thing to do. But I said to myself that day, because I felt so low, sometimes I always say you have to scrape bottom before you can reach the top. Sometimes you really have to lose yourself before you can find yourself. People who, and, and I'm getting to, to the, I'm going to get to your question, but people meet me today sometimes and they say, oh, well, Donna, I understand why you're successful because you're very confident, you've got your act together, you know, you know what you're doing. And I, I smile to myself and I, sometimes I say to them, or sometimes I always think, you should have known me way back then because I was really in a very different place than I am right now. The, the, the confidence or the energy uh, that you see today is a result of the things I've done over the last 18 years. But as I said, I was really at a low point. I made the decision, and when I made that decision, I said, okay, I am going to give this a shot. I'm going to put this seminar together. I'm going to um, start marketing it publicly eventually. I couldn't do it right off the bat. I had some preparation to do. And I'm just going to give it a shot, and I'm going to see what happens. But I'm going to make a commitment to making this work one way or the other. So to me, making a commitment meant if I market this seminar, I put the seminar together and I market it, and if nobody comes, and that was absolutely a possibility, there's no guarantee anybody's going to be interested in it or come to it, I said if nobody comes, then I'll create a different seminar or I'll market it in a different way or I'll market it to different people. In other words, I was going to do whatever it took to make it work, even if I had to modify things as I went. So making that decision and commitment from that very down, low, depressed place that I was in was the catalyst that started to change things for me. It started to create action where there was really inactivity. It started to create momentum um, and enthusiasm when there was just apathy and other negative feelings previously. Now, it didn't mean that I felt confident but I realized that I was in a low place. I had just made a big decision. And in my mind, the first next thing I needed to do was I was going to have to get myself positive and motivated if I was going to even attempt to do the things I wanted to do and certainly to be successful. So we find our own way, and we all do things differently. But what I did was I went down to my local public library someplace where I had not been probably in decades. I walked into the library. In fact, I'd been so long since I'd been in there, I was looking for those big wooden boxes with the long drawers and the little cars they used to have in libraries to look things up. Right. And those, those boxes were gone. And I panicked because I thought, how does anybody find anything in here? But, of course, computers were just coming into the forefront back in the early 90s. And I didn't know how to use a computer in the early 1990s. So I found a helpful library person to show me how to you know, look things up. They showed me how to use the online catalog. And I sat down at the computer. I did know how to use the keyboard because I took typing in high school. And in the subject line, I typed in one word, and that word was motivation because I knew that's what I needed more than anything else. And I hit the search button, and a whole list of books came up on the screen. I went into the stacks and found where the motivational books were. And I just started to read the titles. You can do it. Yes, you can. Get off your butt. And butt in this case is B-U-T. You know, but I can't, but I won't, but I shouldn't. Um, and just reading the titles of these books, I already started to feel better. 
was amazing. And I thought, hey, maybe there's something to this positive thinking thing. So I took some of the books off the shelf. I skimmed through some of them, took them home, began to read, began to do some of the exercises that were suggested. And I began to systematically shift my focus from the negative aspects of my life and myself to the more positive aspects. We are, I didn't know this back then, but I know now that as humans, we aren't naturally negative. We're hardwired that way. We get more electrical activity in our brain with negative thoughts and images than with positive ones. So we're, we're biologically drawn to the negative. So for those of you that are saying, why am I so negative all the time? Why am I always dwell, dwelling on the negative? You can't help it. It's natural. Some of you are probably saying, gee, I wish I had known that years ago. I could have saved a lot of money on therapy. But what I found was, <laughs> what I found was that by reading inspirational material and people who were giving me exercises and different messages about why not me, why not now, there's no reason why I can't do this, etc., it allowed me to shift my focus, and that's what started to propel me forward. So all of us are naturally negative. We, and it doesn't matter whether you want to start a business or not. This is just part of life. We all need to work at getting and staying positive and motivated. And that is an ongoing process. It's not something you do once and then it's going to last you for the rest of your life. You have to build some things into your life and your world and your routine that are going to keep you there. And, you know, we could talk about those things later if we have time. There's a whole whole slew of different things. But that was the next very important step for me. I had to get to a point where I could begin to pull myself up from my bootstraps and just con- really just continue to, it was really, um, it was really just putting one foot in front of the other and taking baby steps and keep moving in a positive forward direction. And Keith, another reason why it's important to take time to focus on the positive, not just, not just positive thinking because that's not enough. If we just focus on talking to ourselves positively, we're going to drift back to the negative. That's not strong enough. We often have to hear these things from other people. So it could be reading books by successful people, listening to motivational tapes. It could be going out to conferences like the NNBA conference or um, uh, professional association meetings. I go out to business meetings and different things where you're surrounded by other people who are successful, who are positive, who are motivated, because we do tend to adopt, adapt, adopt the, the energy and the attitudes and the outlooks of the people that we spend most of our time with. And so not only is it important for us to do it because of what we want to do, but let me tell you, the naysayers are out there in droves. You don't have to look for them. They will find you telling you why you can't do something, why you shouldn't be doing it, why it won't work, why this is a bad time, why it's never going to happen. And so it's important to work on staying positive and focused in your own life so that you can propel yourself forward, but that helps to counter all the negative thoughts and comments that you're going to hear from other people along the way. Wow. Donna, you just shared so much. I'm not quite sure where to start, but um, 
uh, Andrew Lopez, our friend Nurse Friendly, he's over in the tweet chat with Kevin, and he wrote that one of his early inspirations, talk about motivation, was Laura Gasparis von Frolio. And he wanted to know, just as an aside, if she was one of your influencers early on when you were trying to find people to mentor you or inspire you early in your, that entrepreneurial venture. Well, early in my career, I met, um, I met a nurse entrepreneur named Carolyn Zagary, who many people know. Carolyn has since passed away. But uh, I met Carolyn at a seminar that I went to. That's why, you know, you have to just kind of get yourself out there. You have to go out to meetings, seminars, conventions, career fairs. You never know who you're going to meet, where the contact, the idea, et cetera, is going to come from. I had the pleasure of meeting Carolyn, and Carolyn said to me when she heard that I wanted to do seminars, she said, you should call Laura Gasparis von Frolio, because Laura, who I didn't know at the time, she told me had her own business and did seminars for nurses uh, and so on. So I did give Laura a call, and Laura very graciously did take my call, and we spent a few minutes on the phone, and she was very encouraging, and she gave me a couple of tips on how to run a successful seminar. And so she was one person in the beginning who um, was certainly somebody who had the type of business uh, and was doing the kind of things that I aspired to. I can't say that I had a mentor, per se, anywhere along the lines, but any time I met or heard of anyone who was doing something similar to what I was interested in, whether it was a nurse entrepreneur or a professional speaker, I would talk to them if I could. I would pick up the phone and I would call them. And that wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't, it wasn't because I was confident and courageous that I would pick up the phone and call these people. I did it because I was a novice in this new world that I wanted to enter. And you can't You can't stay isolated when you want to learn something new, just like a new nurse out of nursing school starting in the hospital. You can't operate in a vacuum. I was determined to be successful, and I knew that I had to speak to other people who were already successfully doing the thing that I wanted to do. That's the way to learn when you're in, when you're doing anything new, even if you, whether you're changing specialties in nursing, whether you're starting a business, whether you're already successful but now you want to start writing or you want to run your own blog radio station, you want to talk to people who are already successfully doing that thing. And that's the best, most effective way to learn. That's a great point, getting that motivation from people who are already putting their self, themselves out there, putting skin in the game, as Kevin likes to say, and really doing something that you want to do. So you look up to them and use them as kind of as your barometers, your guidepost for the road you want to travel. Now, Kevin sent me a message. He wanted to know how you feel about fear. Do you feel that fear is a good motivator or at least a type of energy that you can help yourself and help others use that energy to transform themselves or to drive their passion to seek, say, an alternative career or a new uh, venture? Well, I'm glad the word fear came up. Thank you, Kevin, because fear is very often the stumbling block for people to move forward, to try anything new, to stretch themselves. And what I know now that I didn't know when I started the business is that when you are stretching yourself, when you're growing, when you're trying something new, fear is automatically part of the process. But many of us only associate fear with danger, the type of fear we experience when we're walking down a dark alley at night in a bad part of town, 
and there's a lot of unsavory characters around. That type of fear is a warning, you know, be on alert, danger, take care of yourself. But there's a completely different type of fear that we experience when we're stepping outside of our comfort zone, when we're going to do something new. And I refer to that type of fear as growing pains. If you're not feeling fear, you're not challenging yourself. You're not stretching yourself in any way. So fear is actually a good thing. And and a lot of times a a nurse will come up to me and say, oh, Donna, uh, there's something I really want to do, but you don't understand. I'm so afraid. I say, oh, I totally understand. And if it scares you, I said, perfect, that's exactly what you should be doing. And they say, oh, but I'm petrified. I say, even better, that's even more confirmation to you that that is absolutely the direction you should be moving in. So fear is always part of the process. And when I started to launch my seminars, in the beginning, oh my gosh, I experienced fear bigger than I had ever experienced in my life. And by the way, the bigger the goal, the bigger the fear. So just be prepared for that. When I was feeling that in the beginning, I thought, okay, you pain in the butt. This is a mental conversation I had with myself. I'm talking to my fear as if it's this big blob. Um, And I said, okay, you pain in the butt. If you're going to be there, let's just move forward together. Okay, get out of my way and walk next to me. And I had a mental image of bringing fear along as my friend. This is how I had to talk to myself and what I tell myself. And I still do this today. And what I realized is that the fear will eventually dissipate once I do something for the first time, once I master a new skill, once I get some experience. That fear will dissipate, but more fear will come up when I'm going to challenge myself again, when I'm going to move out of my comfort zone again. So fear is a natural part of growth. And if you're not growing, you're stagnating. So you've you've basically got two choices. You stay in your comfort zone, you're not going to feel any fear. But the comfort zone is a danger zone because when you're in it, you're not learning. And if you're not learning, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, you're stagnating. So the choice is yours. That's a great point, Donna. And it brings me back to that book, I guess, from the 1980s, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Do you remember that old self-help I, book? You know, I, I know the title. I don't remember the book per se. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a universal principle. It's just Isn't not, it? it's something that I learned on my own that I didn't know about previously. And people are often surprised to hear that. But that, that, that's just a fact of life. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is, and this is great for me to hear. I have some new things I'm going to be launching in 2014. RNFM Radio has some new ventures that we're launching. So it's great to hear this message from you, someone we really know and trust, Donna. And speaking of workshops and retreats and conferences and networking and being with other nurses and being around people who can inspire you, I know you do an annual retreat, and I have right in front of me here from your website that you have a retreat called Empowered Nurse, Enlightened Nurse. No, Empowered Nurse, Enlightened Practice. Correct. And this is being held at the Miraval Resort and Spa in Tucson, Arizona, I believe. And it's March 20th to 23rd. So speaking of fear, speaking of wanting to expand nursing and really take your practice to wherever it is you want to go, tell us a little bit about this retreat and how you use that platform to inspire the people who come to to be with you and their colleagues at this retreat center. Yeah. So, Keith, for 18 years now, I've been speaking, you know, keynote speaking, doing seminars, workshops, and then 
writing somewhere along the way. And for years, I dreamt of having uh, some type of a, a longer venue, such as this weekend retreat, where I could bring nurses together, where we could, there would be plenty of time to relax and disengage from everyday life and work, but talk about the essence of nursing, reflect on who we are, what we have to offer the world, what we love to do, what we're passionate about, and where we want to go from here. And I had been going to Miraval Spa myself annually for, now it's 10 years that I've been going there, um, I went there for uh, a vacation to celebrate a birthday years ago, and once I was there, the place, the experience of being there was so life-changing, so transformational for me. I continue to go back every year. And I wanted, I first of all wanted to share that experience with other nurses. I know that very often nurses won't take the time or spend the money to get away, to go on a vacation. A lot of people won't, nurses included. And I thought if I could create an, an event, get great group rates for us to go, get continuing education credits for the event as well, all things that would make it um, easier and more interesting to bring nurses there, that that would be a really great thing to do. So the first time I had this event was in March of 2013, and I'm having it again in, in March of 2014. And the weekend is a mixture of group time together plus a lot of free time to enjoy all the things that the resort has to offer. And we had a lot of conversation. We were doing sharing about where we are in nursing, um, about all the changes that are occurring in nursing, and helping each individual person get more in tune with their strengths and their passion about nursing and then creating a vision for how they want to use that moving forward. And just as an example, you know, we, many of us, we're, we're in our own world, we're very isolated, we get up, we go to work every day, we do our job, we come home, we get sort of stuck in that, that place and that thing that we do every day. And it's important to step away from your everyday life periodically to really be able to look at what's going on in yourself, in your life, the bigger world around you, which is a part of the reason this, this, an event like this is very good. And one of the nurses who came to the event, and everybody there, very interesting, diverse backgrounds, very accomplished nurses that were there, um, one of the nurses that was there, had, she was doing great things in nursing and a leadership role, higher education and so on, great clinician, but she just was missing something in her practice. And throughout the course of the weekend, she really tapped into the fact that she would like to continue in her leadership role, but she wanted to bring more self-care and self-healing principles to the nurse's that she worked with every day. She wanted to implement more programs in her workplace and do more of that work. And that is something that she was able to hone in on and she was able to implement when she went back to her workplace. And she's uh, just expanding in so many different ways and, and so much happier. So in other words, she was already a very accomplished nurse, but she was finding new ways to make an even bigger difference and really ignite her passion for nursing and for healing in the process. That's just one example. 
some of the nurses who came, and many of us are uh, at a point in our life where maybe we've been doing the same thing for a long time, and it's okay, but we're not just we're not feeling thrilled. We feel that it's time for a transition, and sometimes stepping away, getting away someplace, pulling away from your everyday life, being with other like-minded people, and uh, spending time on some journaling exercises that we did, some individual and some group discussion and sharing and the other activities is a way to get more in touch with yourself and your future. Well, that sounds wonderful, Donna. I'm actually going to think about going there myself. And I think oh. I even have a, have a friend who um, lives here in New Mexico, but may actually even have a timeshare where I could stay down in Tucson. So I'm going to really give that some thought. Now, I also understand Love to that... to have you, you there, Keith. Oh, thank you, Donna. And I know that you do these career alternatives for nurses workshops all around the country. It's on your website at donnacardillo.com slash events. And if you scroll down or just click on seminars, I see that these are one-day workshops you have coming up in 2014 Houston, Dallas, L.A., Atlantic City, Oak Brook, New York, Philadelphia, and I'd like to add in there maybe Albuquerque one of these days, get you <laughs> over here to New Mexico um, and feed you some good New Mexican food. So I, I hear about this as well. So between your conference, which is really sounds inspirational in terms of recharging and energizing or or revitalizing one's career. Career Alternatives for Nurses sounds like it has a little bit more of a specific focus. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what that's about in terms of focusing in on career alternatives? Yeah, definitely. And Career Alternatives for Nurses is the seminar that I started my business with 18 years ago this past September. This was the seminar that I envisioned way back when that I thought, gee, maybe someday I could do something like this um, to teach nurses about the various opportunities that are out there and how to find and get those jobs. So I still do this seminar today, although this is only one piece of my business today. I had envisioned that that would be my entire business, but um, many of us have a vision for our business when we first get started, and it evolved into other things as we go forward. So this is a full-day seminar that I've been doing for over 18 years, and I am considered the country's leading authority on non-traditional career opportunities for nurses. In this full-day, very, very information-intensive seminar, I talk about over 60 different career opportunities that are available for nurses in various specialties and industries. I advise nurses what, if anything, is needed to get into different areas. For some things, you need something extra, and others, you don't. But more importantly, I talk about where those jobs exist, what the average salaries are, and I talk about ways to find a great job beyond the classified ads, for example, because the classified ads, whether online or in print, is, how, is what most people rely on to find jobs, and yet that's actually the least effective way to find and get a job. So the bulk of the day is talking about the different opportunities that are out there. And even there's a lot of new specialties out there today, a lot of new opportunities um, in the world of forensics and informatics and, and holistic nursing. But even 
some of the old standards, such as long-term care and school nursing and so on, are changing so dramatically, and many nurses don't even realize that. They have a lot of preconceived notions in their head about, about different things. Plus, the job market for nurses has been changing and now is going to be changing very dramatically going forward as care shifts out of the acute care hospital into other inpatient settings as well as ambulatory home care, etc. So I also get nurses up to date on what's happening because, you know, when I talked earlier about how we get isolated in our own little world, our job, our specialty, our place of employment, we're very focused on that and we're, we're often not aware of the big picture and of the changes that are happening around us. I just wrote um, a feature article for the nurse.com 2014 career guide. The article is available online right now. It's titled Nursing, a New Paradigm. And it's about the dramatic shift. And this is, by the way, this is not about the Affordable Care Act, although that's helping to um, accelerate the process. But all these changes have been happening over the last 10 years before we even talked about the Affordable Care Act. There are organic changes that are happening because of the changing demographics and technology and escalating costs, etc. So I posted something about that article online, and one of my nursing colleagues responded, because I talked about how everything's changing, and um, he or she said, but is nursing ready for this? And although I did not respond back to him, my thought was, the only question that really matters is, are you ready for this? The individual nurse, understanding what the changes are, where you fit in, and what you need to do to keep up and to move forward and to make the most of the opportunities. A lot of us get, as I said, lost in our you know, daily job or what we're doing, and it's time to really get out there more and find out what's happening, get out to meetings, career fairs, seminars, conventions, retreats, so many changes right now, and we have to get connected to the bigger community of nursing. That's a great point, Donna. You know, your friend asked you, what did he or she say, is nursing ready for this? And I think your response was perfect. Nursing is ready because it has to be because these changes are coming no matter what we do. Now, how we respond as individuals is really up to us because the profession, the industry, will change and has to change. There's really no question about that. Some of us might, not myself, but some people may feel that, hmm, I just need to move on. I need to move on to another industry. I just can't, I can't flow with these changes. And that's fine. Some people may not feel comfortable in that new world, whereas others may embrace these changes like you're encouraging and motivating people to do and say, well, things are changing. The ground is shifting under my feet. So, I have to figure out how to surf with those changes and make some positive changes in my own career trajectory. Do you, do you agree with that? that? That is true, Keith, and most of us do not like change. It's natural to resist change. We, just, we naturally want to maintain the status quo. That's another one of our natural tendencies. Just as the human body wants to maintain homeostasis, we want to maintain, you know, normal, well, not normalcy, we want to maintain sameness in our lives. Um, change is, um, you know, we want to just stay where we are and not move forward, but, but there is no growth without change. 
And many people assume that any changes are bad, but change is not necessarily bad. And if we as nurses look at a lot of what's happening and understand the reason for it, for example, the shift out of the hospital into uh, more community-based services, more home-based services. I just posted something on Twitter. This is just an example of a particular uh, visiting nurse association offering new, I think they call, I don't think they called it aging in place, but something similar to that. In other words, we don't, we don't want to have to send people to nursing homes anymore. We don't want people to age in nursing homes where they're lying in beds, where there isn't a lot of activity or stimulation. There isn't even a lot of uh, people to care for them. We want to look for better, not just more cost-effective ways, but better quality of life options for them. And a much better option for people, for those who can do it, is to stay at home but with more support services, obviously with more one-on-one coaching or, or disease management or maintenance. Much more care is going to be home-based going forward. And I don't have to tell any nurse that home-based is ideal when it is appropriate. It's not appropriate in every single case, but people would prefer to be in their home where they're in familiar surroundings with their family, um, can remain as independent as possible. For so many years, care has, or the, our healthcare system in the U.S. has centered around hospitals. And hospitals still serve a purpose, but not only is the care there very expensive, it certainly is not an ideal place for anyone to be when they're sick. Some people need to be in the hospital, but there's a very high incidence of hospital-acquired infections, there's human error, uh, lots of other things that happen. Just because we've been doing something the same way for a long time doesn't mean that it's the best way or the only way. Sometimes we just keep doing things out of habit. So right now, it's a scary time, Keith, for many people, but it's actually an incredibly exciting time. And what's most exciting about all of this is that nurses already are and will continue to take the lead in healthcare going forward. We will be playing a role that is larger and more powerful and have a greater impact than any of us have ever seen, probably in the entire history of the profession. And I am so excited about it. I just want to jump up and down right now. Wow. Well, jump away, Donna. It's totally fine. Go for it. And thank you for all of these points you're making about the shifts away from hospitals. Now, back in 1996, when I graduated from nursing school, I made the announcement to my fellow colleagues, students, and my professors that I actually wasn't choosing to go into the hospital. I wasn't even going to do those magical two years of med surge, and everyone told me that it was absolutely crazy. Now, I've spent 18 years working in the community, and I've had a wonderful career, and while I may have lost a few opportunities by not working in the hospital, that's a choice I made. Now, in terms of people leaving the hospital now, because that's not where the jobs are, you agree, Carmen Kosicek agrees, all the nurses out there agree that hospitals are not the places to look. I, um, apropos of that, I have a friend here in New Mexico who's looking to transition from acute care. She's done several years of acute care as a as a relatively new nurse. She's had a little bit of a break. And now she wants to go into home care. She really likes that intimate one-on-one type of interaction with clients. So 
people like her want to know, where do you look for work? How do you make that break, say, into home care? Do you look on Craigslist? Do you look on Monster? How do you find the jobs, and how do you work your way into, say, that new specialty of home care and or hospice or palliative care? specialty, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, well, first of all, that's a great way to be thinking because, as I mentioned, that's, that's the direction that healthcare is going in. It's going into the home, into the community, home care. And, oh, my gosh, home care is going to be expanding not only in terms of volume but in the types of services that they're offering going forward. So that's, that's very exciting also. So whenever someone is interested in a new specialty, Looking for classified ads is fine, but as I already mentioned, that's the least effective way to find and get a job. What you want to start doing is being much more proactive in the process. So you want to start finding and talking to nurses who are already doing the thing that you want to do. So, so your colleague is interested in getting into home care and hospice. So how could she find nurses that are working in home care and hospice? Well, with, with the Internet today, it's pretty easy. You can just search for people. You can go on Facebook. You can go on LinkedIn. You can go on Twitter and say, hey, anybody working in home care? Does anybody know anybody working in home care or hospice? I'd love to talk to them and find out more about what they do, about the pros and the cons of the profession, et cetera. It's always, you know, there's an upside and a downside to every specialty, so it's always good to get the upside and the downside from people that are there, and do something called an informational interview with them. And I have an, if, I have an article on my website called The Scoop on Informational Interviewing. You can even just Google that title, The Scoop on Informational Interviewing, and it will probably bring you to that article on my website. An informational interview is when it's not a job interview, but you are interviewing someone who is doing something that you would like to learn more about. You want to learn about them and what it is that they're doing. And I also describe that, this process in detail in my book, The Ultimate Career Guide for Nurses. I outline that process as well. So when you're talking to people that are already working in the industry, you're not only getting information from them, but you're making a very valuable professional connection with somebody on the inside. And one of the things you would ask them are, uh, what are the good agencies to work for? Do you know anyone that I can speak to? So you're using word-of-mouth networking to make contacts and connections, and it's that type of networking that is actually the most effective way to find and get a job. Some jobs are advertised. The majority of jobs are never advertised. Many people are surprised to hear that and didn't really know that. So if you're relying exclusively on classified ads for jobs, you're just going to be, you're really going to be handicapped in that regard and you're only going to see a small percentage of what's available. You should also make direct phone contact with prospective employers, home care agencies, hospice agencies. You can ask if they have a nurse recruiter. You can ask to speak to a nursing supervisor um, and call and express your interest in working in the specialty and about opportunities that exist there. You should absolutely be going out to nursing and healthcare career fairs where there are home care agencies and nursing agencies exhibiting where you can have direct face-to-face -face contact and communication with people, not only to get information but to present yourself in person because trying to market yourself only with paper by sending in resumes and cover letters that's the hardest possible way to market yourself and to get someone's attention and to make a positive impression. You can do that much better in person, and the second way to do it would be by phone. So when you can get out in person, 
that's a good thing to do. The other thing is to, let's say, uh, well, again, your friend is interested in home care, for example. She should get out to local chapter meetings of the American Nurses Association, whether she belongs to that association or not, go as a guest if not a member, where there are going to be a whole lot of nurses in the room, and all you do is pay the whatever the meeting fee is, and you talk to people. I'm interested in home care. Is there anybody here who works in home care? And you get to meet, make connections with people, talk to people. That's how you find out more about it. That's how you find out about opportunities. Many um, employers are happy to hire nurses from acute care into home care, hospice, and many other specialties. They don't need to go through any special training, certification, or whatever. They just have to be able to present themselves well, be able to articulate their strengths. They have to be able to show interest and enthusiasm in the specialty they're applying for. And you should always research the employer and the, and the industry um, beforehand. Wow, Donna, you just dropped so many nuggets. I just don't even know which one to pick up first because it's just absolutely incredible. Now, when people come to me for career coaching, and you've sent a couple clients my way, thank you so much for that vote of confidence, I do talk with folks and recommend that they do informational interviews. And a lot of people haven't heard about them. We actually just tweeted out your article. Kevin found it on your website. And if you're listening and not on Twitter, it's at DonnaCardillo.com slash articles slash the scoop. So you can find it there. It's a great article. Kevin tweeted it out. We'll make sure it stays up on our social media so that folks can find it. Now, Donna, you also mentioned getting out there, talking with people. And if you can't talk to people, talk to them online. And I really agree with you there wholeheartedly. That's exactly what I tell my clients to do. Go to meetings, network, meet people. And people say, well, I don't want to go out and have a resume printed and have it in my hand and carry a briefcase. So what I tell them is I say, have a cheap uh, business card made up with all your contact information. Use both sides and make sure you hand that out to people. Use all of the digital and physical real estate that you can so that you can get your name out there, get the word out, and have people learn about who you are, what you're looking for, and what you do. So what do you think about that in terms of when you're networking? What do you hand people? What do you bring with you to meetings? And how do you stay connected and follow up? Okay, well, a big misconception that people have about networking is that networking is calling recruiters and saying, do you have a job, or handing out your resumes at meetings. That's not what networking is. Networking is making contacts and connections with people, it's establishing a relationship, and it's further developing that relationship afterwards. So you don't have to carry yes. a briefcase. It's great to have some resumes available in a portfolio, but if you don't have resumes with you at those meetings, you should bring resumes with you to a career fair, but you don't have to bring them to association meeting. But every nurse, every single nurse, doesn't matter whether they're looking for a job or not, and by the way, they say the best time to look for your next job is while you're happily employed. But every nurse should have a business card. It's a calling card. You just have your name and your basic contact information, which would be a phone number and an email address, if nothing else. You can put initials after your name, but you don't have to write a, a title, a specialty, certifications. It's not a resume. It's just a business card. And the purpose is to exchange professional contact information with people. So you yes. don't want to go to networking events and just say, hi, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, my name's Donna. Hi, nice to meet you. You want to make 
connections with people. You shake hands. You introduce yourself. This is what I do. What is it that you do? And you have conversation with them. After you have a little conversation, may I have your business card? May I give you my card? I'd love to stay in touch with you. You establish a relationship and a connection. You get an opportunity for people to know you and know them. Shoving a resume at somebody is not networking. That's not making a connection with people. And calling a recruiter and saying, do you have a job there? That's not networking. You can call recruiters, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting out and mixing and mingling and talking to people and having conversation with them. And many people do not feel comfortable with their social skills. Your social skills, first of all, get rusty just like your clinical skills do if you don't use them. But you have to get out there and practice them and you get better at them and more comfortable. And there's lots of articles online. There's articles on my website. There's articles just in the Internet, in the book, The Ultimate Career Guide, about how to approach somebody, how to talk to them, how to make small talk, conversation, how to follow up with them. Networking is an art and a science, and it's something that many people do not understand the value and the importance of and have never learned the technique of doing. And that is probably one of the most important skills that any professional person can learn above and beyond anything else. You are so right, Donna. Those are some of the skills that I actually teach people in my coaching. And one thing I work with people on specifically is online networking. We do talk about face-to-face networking, which is important, and we can do that, but also online. I've built many, many powerful relationships with people I've met online, yourself included, actually. You and I met in person just a few months ago. Right. Uh, Kevin Ross, my co-host and my business partner here at RNFM Radio, we met on Twitter. And it's not just about broadcasting your needs and broadcasting what you want. It's also about building relationships, building rapport, finding out what other people are about, finding out what they do, what their interests are, not in a manipulative way. True, authentic networking, what I call soulful social media use, is really about building relationships and building trust with authenticity. And I teach people, I consider myself somewhat of an expert on LinkedIn now, and I teach people how to maximize their use of LinkedIn, for instance, because it's one thing to have 600 connections on LinkedIn. It's another thing to actually dig in to those relationships, take some of them to the telephone, take some of them to Skype, actually build relationships with people where you can actually have friendships and collegial relationships with folks you haven't yet met in person. And I wanted to say one more thing about that, Donna, that LinkedIn actually has a new a new um, portion of its platform where you can actually drill down into your connections. Say you're going to Tucson on vacation. You can find all your connections who live on Tucson. You can send them an email and say, hey, let's meet for coffee and talk about nursing. Or, hey, I want to hear how you're doing. So there's so many ways to use networking in a positive manner and really move your relationships forward. So I just wanted to add that little Mm -hmm. scoop of my own. Yep. 
And I also wanted to say that your books, I have two of them right here next to me, The Ultimate Career Guide for Nurses by Donna Wilcardillo. Um, I bought this from you when we were at the NNBA conference. And the subtitle is Practical Advice for Thriving at Every Stage of Your Career. And I can say I've read this book cover to cover. It's one of my reference books for my coaching as well, that this book really does cover every aspect of a nurse's career. However, I will say, Donna, that your other book, which is called Your First Year as a Nurse, and this was revised and updated in a second edition. This is, uh, the subtitle is Making the Transition from Total Novice to Successful Professional. And that's a great book for a nurse who's relatively new to the profession. So do you want to say anything about your books and also about your fourth book, which I believe is coming out in the new year? Yes, I'm working. I have uh, the the third book that I have is called A Day Book for Beginning Nurses, which is a journal-type book with daily inspirations, advice, and, and career essays. And that's actually good for any nurse as well. So my first three books were specifically for nurses. My fourth book is going to be a memoir about a lot of my life experiences, but all with the intent of teaching life lessons to for people to apply to their own life. So it's not specifically for nurses. It's for anyone. Uh, it's a very different kind of book than the others I've written, so really had to step out of my comfort zone for that. But that will be out hopefully sometime in 2014, not in the early part of the year, but hopefully the latter part of the year. Wow, that sounds wonderful and very inspirational, Donna. And it's great to hear you talking about writing something that's not necessarily just for nurses. You know, I have some ideas for some writing to do that's not related to nursing. And part of me is a little anxious about breaking out of my habit of writing about nursing and healthcare. So it's, well, it's wonderful also, it's that you're... It's also your comfort zone, too. It is very much my comfort zone is writing about that. So to write about other aspects of my life, that's there's some risk there, and there's a little bit of a stretch for me doing that. So I know that you never really thought of yourself as a writer, and here you are working on your fourth book. So that's yeah. just that's very inspirational to me. I, I never thought I had the ability itself. to write. Yeah, interesting. And, mm. you know, Keith, you just said it's a risk for you to write something else. It's, all, it's important to understand it's also a risk not to do it. So you yes. risk by doing things, but you also you, you make an e take an even bigger risk by, by not fully developing yourself or trying things. That's such a good point. That's a great point. Now, we did have a question on Twitter. Um, I just wanted to back up here for a second. Andrew Lopez, our friend at Nurse Friendly. Hello, Andrew. Um, he wrote... Uh, Donna, do you think the rumors of mass hospital closings, layoffs of nurses are coming? Do you think that's really true? Can you speak to that question that Andrew asked just a few minutes ago? Oh, my gosh. Um, Andrew makes it sound like an apocalypse happening out there. <laughs> um, no, I don't see yes. mass hospital closings, but there are predictions that about uh, that as many as one-third of all hospitals will close by 2020. But if you're only focused on hospitals, then you think, oh, my gosh. But the reason hospitals are closing is that we are finding different and better ways and places to treat people. And that, again, is in alternate inpatient settings such as subacute, long-term care, rehab, all the other things that are going on, but a lot into ambulatory care, outpatient home care, community-based health centers. For nurses who have only have hospitals in their mind, um, that can look like an apocalypse. But what's happening is the job market is not shrinking, it's shifting. 
and we're going to continue to see that moving forward. I don't see, um, I mean, there ha- we've had a lot, we have a lot of hospitals in my home state of New Jersey. Many of them have closed, and those nurses, many of the nurses that were in those hospitals found themselves unemployed, but they need to look really in new places for employment. They need to revision their career. A lot of nurses need to go back to school. They need to develop additional skills to move forward. And that's exactly what's happening. That's what's scary for a lot of nurses. So it's not at all an apocalypse. It's the third time I use that word in this conversation. Um, The important thing to understand is that things are changing. And that's, again, what I want to stress about getting in tune with what the changes are, why they're happening. Uh, Please look for that article, um, Nursing, a New Paradigm, that was just posted on Nurse.com this week, where I go into the changing role. I talk about, I have my top ten nursing role picks for the future and also have advice in there on what nurses need to do to, to keep current and to keep their, their career moving forward. It's a feature article, which means that it's a long article. It's got different sections. It's not just my advice. I interviewed a number of industry experts for that article as well, and I think that's a perfect starting point to understand what's happening right now, what nurses need to do to move forward, and to start wrapping your head around that, the, that new paradigm in nursing. Oh, great. Well, we just found that article, Nursing a New Paradigm, on Nurse.com from December 9, 2013. Kevin will be tweeting it out momentarily. Terrific. But folks, if you, yeah, and folks, if you just Google Nursing a New Paradigm, uh, Nurse.com, it'll come right up. You'll find it. It's there at Nurse.com. Now, uh, Donna, we have to go in a few minutes, but I wanted to ask you another question. Um, in terms of all of these changes that are underway in the nursing profession, there's a lot of talk out there about whether um, LPNs and LVNs are going to be faded away and that um, even ADNs are not going to be the entry level anymore. A lot of nurses are wondering, oh my gosh, do I have to go back and get a bachelor's? Do I have to get a master's? What do you think about this talk that the bachelor's is going to become the go-to degree just to get into the industry? And should nurses who don't have an a BSN yet get one? Is it worth their while right now? Is it something that everyone should be looking at or not? Okay, well, that's a very important question, and that's, that's part of um, some of keeping up with the changes. First of all, LPNs, LVNs, many hospitals, you know, they've had their ups and downs over the years. Many hospitals are no longer hiring LPNs, LVNs. However, they still have a very strong presence in long-term care and rehab in many alternate inpatient settings. And I don't see that role going away anytime in the near future. They, they do play a vital role. Um, uh, ADN, associate degree in nursing programs, are still flourishing. But the truth is, Keith, that whether or not the regulations are ever changed about entry to practice, and by the way, we've been discussing this since 1960, so I don't necessarily see any big decisions coming down the pike. Um, whether or not entry to practice changes, the reality is and it, that the, ch- the change is happening organically in that 
most hospitals only want nurses with BSN degrees today or they're requiring their current staff to get BSNs if they're staff nurses, if they're in any management position, to get MSN degrees. Now, for positions outside of the hospital, some employers are looking for a bachelor's degree, whether it's in nursing or otherwise, but that's very varied from employer to employer. However, should a nurse consider going back to school if they don't have the advanced degree? I don't even have to hesitate to answer that, and the answer is yes. And here's the reason why. More education is always better, and I say that education is a gift that you give yourself. You go back to school for yourself first, for your career second. doesn't matter to me whether you're going to retire, whether you want to work in a hospital or not, but education is not preparation for life. It is life itself. I went to a diploma school. There was a time I didn't want anything to do with college, but I'm now on the other side of higher education and understand what it can do for someone. It helps you to become more of who you are and have more to contribute to the world. Also, when you go back to school, you don't go back for your employer. You're always doing it for yourself because you're going to take that with you wherever you go. And sometimes people have a vision in their head of where they think their career is going, like, oh, I'm only going to do this for a few more years, or I don't want to get into management. But everybody's living longer, working longer, doing a lot of things. You really don't know what's in store for you down the road. And it's better to be prepared now for what life may present to you in the future. So, sure, education is challenging. You have to carve out time. And by the way, there's tons of scholarship money available. You don't have to go into debt to go back to school. If your employer has tuition reimbursement, great. But absolutely go for higher education, not just for your career, for yourself and for your life first and foremost. That is just, and that is just the reality of the world we live in today. It's not about who the better nurse is. That discussion is no longer even relevant. It's a matter of the hiring trends right now, what is required in an increasingly complex healthcare world, and higher education is vital today. That's a great point, Donna. And I know our friend Carmen Kosicek, who I'm sure you know, she isn't necessarily always an advocate of getting a master's in nursing unless you feel that there really will be some return on your investment or if at least it will get you where you want to be. Some nurses, it feels like, are rushing into degrees just because they feel like they need to have them. But I agree with you that the bachelor's degree, I think, personally for me, is the go-to degree at this point in with the way things are changing and shifting underneath us. And one of our tweet chatters out there, Friso, he lives in The Hague in, in the Netherlands. Hello, Friso. He's listening right now from Europe, and he says that nursing jobs aren't shrinking, but they're shifting everywhere in the world. So I assume that even in Europe, the same changes are underway, even though their economic structure or the structure of their healthcare system might be different. Oh, it it absolutely is, Keith. I'm I'm in touch with what's happening internationally, and the situation is so similar everywhere. It's so similar everywhere. And, you know, in terms of whether to get a master's in nursing or not, um, but, you know, look at it this way. Nursing is probably the only healthcare profession where we we aren't technically required to have a degree in our profession. Uh, Dietitians have to have a degree in in dietetics. Physical therapists have to have an advanced degree in physical therapy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It makes a lot of sense for nurses to have degrees in nursing. However, um, getting a master's degree, whether it has to be in nursing or not, if you're not going to stay in the clinical arena, 
doesn't necessarily have to be in nursing. I always say if you work in a hospital or that type of setting, a master's in nursing is going to serve you very well. Um, but if you're in the broader area of healthcare, having a master's is what is important, whether it's in nursing or in something else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So some of us pursue masters in healthcare administration. Some even get masters in fine arts because we'd like to really pursue our writing careers as nurses, as professional right. writers. Right. My degrees. So my degrees are not in nursing. I have a bachelor's in healthcare management. I have a master's in corporate and public communication. Oh, great. There you go. So there's some incredible combinations you can make of your degrees if you feel that's the way you need to go. And then some of us, like myself, I have a bachelor's degree, but I'm a board-certified nurse coach. I have other certifications that I have under my belt, and I'm not sure the master's degree is really what I need for my career right now. But everyone's career is different. Do Do you mean master's in nursing or master's period? Um, I'm wondering about a master's degree. I'm not sure what it will be or if it will be. So I'm just still giving that some thought. Okay, so but, un- but something... understand, don't, don't necessarily think about it in terms of whether you need it for your career. Talk about, mm-hmm. Think about getting it for yourself as a way to further develop your own potential in life. Exactly, and that's why I'm thinking about master's in fine arts in, in writing. So right. I am giving that some thought. My wife might be very... Um, Excited and confused to hear that when she listens to the recording later, but I'll talk to her about that offline. Um, now, our, our friend Friso over in The Hague, he says, yes, it is here. This year, 10 to 25% fewer patients in hospitals in Holland and 20% more in home care. Right. So 2020 is the target year where they feel like things are really going to make a shift. So I think we're really on a par with Europe. Things are happening very similarly here as they are around the world. So Donna, you obviously have your finger on the pulse of pretty much everything that's happening in the nursing profession. And I want to point our listeners once again to DonnaCardillo.com. That's where you can find everything you need to know about Donna. You can connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, Google Plus, she is everywhere, and I recommend that you follow her very closely. You can get on her latest email. You can get all her latest emails by entering your email address at DonnaCardillo.com. And Donna, I really do want to try to come to some of your events and really want to encourage you at some point if we could get you either to Boulder, where Kevin is, and Denver, or to Santa Fe and Albuquerque. We'd love to get you here to the southwest, a little further east from Arizona. So we might coax you out here sometime. Well, it's very, it's very much a business and economical decision where we go, so we can certainly continue that conversation another time, Keith. Oh, sure. So maybe Denver would be a good choice. So <laughs> Kevin, Kevin and I will talk about that. We'll see what okay. we can pull together and very good. We'll talk to you offline. But again, Donna Cardillo calling from New Jersey on the East Coast. I wish you wonderful holidays with your family and your friends. I hope to see you in 2014. And thank you so much for spending an hour with us on RNFM Radio. Oh, it was a pleasure, Keith. It was a lot of fun. And don't forget, um, listeners, you can always write to me at my dear Donna column at nurse.com with any questions, comments about business, careers, etc. Have a great holiday, everyone. Thank you, Donna. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Well, folks, that was just a wonderful interview with Donna Cardillo. Again, you can find her at DonnaCardillo.com and go to Nurse.com to Dear Donna, and she answers advice there. She is the Ann Landers of nursing. She told me personally before we came on the air live that she answers every single question that is sent to her at Nurse.com. So if you have a question for her, definitely go to nurse.com to ask Donna anything you want about nursing or your nursing career. And again, DonnaCardillo.com is the place to go to connect with all of her social media presences, as well as her, her events, her articles, and her books. And she also has some DVDs and CDs on her book on her website that you definitely want to check out. And she's a great speaker. I love Donna. It was wonderful to meet her at the NNBA with Kevin. And I'm sure we'll see her sometime in 2014. So I want to let you all know that uh, after Donna Cardillo, this show today, episode 95, we have one more episode of RNFM Radio in 2013. Next Monday, the 16th of December, we will be on with Cindy Coopson of Allegra Learning. She is my friend who I met on social media like so many other people that I know, including Kevin Ross. She's a holistic nurse educator. She has a wonderful CEU website. I've done many of my CEUs there for my American Holistic Nurse Association certifications, and it's a great site. She'll be talking about entrepreneurship, everything that she has done in terms of holistic nurse education and how she created her own business as a CEU provider for nurses centered on holism and holistic nursing and holistic learning. Now, after the 16th, that is our final show for 2013. We will be taking a two-week break for the holidays. There will be no live RNFM radio shows for the rest of 2013 after the 16th of December. So you'll have to listen to our archive shows, find us on iTunes, and listen in and get your fill of Kevin and I, though you've probably heard plenty of talking from me and Kevin over the course of 2013. Now, we'll be coming back in 2014. We'll be having our 100th episode on the 29th. You definitely want to tune in live live on the 29th of January if you can. I'm sure we're going to be having special guests. We'll probably have some gifts to give away and there'll be some other special announcements about that coming up uh, probably next week and then over the course of time coming up to 2014. We'll have lots of information on our blog and our social media presences as well. Now, we may be having some other changes coming up in 2014. We will be sure to keep you all posted about them. And there's some exciting things happening, and we will tell you all about it, and you'll hear it here first on RNFM Radio. Now, to keep in touch, please go to iTunes, and you can type in RNFM Radio at the iTunes store and download any of our 95 archived webcasts. You can also go to rnfmradio.com. That's the perfect place to listen to any of our archive shows and to listen live when we're online. Now, go to facebook.com slash RNFM Radio to follow our Facebook feed. We're also on Google+, Plus, so just type RNFM Radio Show into Google+. And on Twitter, we are at RNFM Radio, so you can find us everywhere, folks. So, Kevin Ross, I am sending you my best. You've been in the tweet chat, really doing a wonderful job, and I'm sure you'll have your voice back for December 16th with Cindy Coopson to talk about holistic nursing. So, we're sending our best to Kevin and his family, hoping everybody feels better, that Kevin gets his voice back, and we will be back on the 16th. 
So, happy holidays, folks, if we don't talk to you before Christmas and New Year's. But please come back on the 16th if you can. Help us finish out the year with episode 96. Keep in touch. Do great work out there. Take care of yourselves. Take care of other people. Be authentic in your lives and be authentic with others and in your networking. Just like Donna said, it can really take you places. So, have a wonderful week. We will see you on Monday. Join us again on RNFM Radio.